Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Three weeks ago, we started a message series called Faithful. We talked about faithful to the faithful God. Last week, we talked about being faithful in the faith. And today, we're talking about being faithful in prayer. Uh, so if you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to start looking for Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, and you're going to be at chapter 4, and it's deep into the New Testament, near the end, Hebrews chapter 4. It's a little bit hard to talk about prayer, at least it is hard for me, um, because it seems like it should be just super straightforward and obvious and easy, uh, and it is, but it tends to get complicated. And no pastor, myself included, ever feels qualified to, to speak about this prayer, about prayer, because we just know we got so much growing to do. Uh, and even those of you, I mean, I can look around this room and there's a few of you I would identify as our prayer warriors. I know that you pray, you pray regularly, consistently, you call the prayer line every day. I mean, I'm just humbled at your, but if I said, oh, you're a prayer warrior, you say, no, no, not me. That's not me. Right? Because you know, well, it just feels like it's just such a big area to grow in. And, and then of course it's such a massive topic in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, so much about prayer. And then not only is prayer a little hard to talk about, but if we're going to be honest, prayer itself can be a little hard or intimidating. And I think that's in part because the results aren't always, maybe they aren't usually immediate. They they don't, it doesn't seem to come as fast as we, we, we think it should. God hears us and He answers our prayer, but we don't always see that right away. And so persevering in it then can sometimes be a little discouraging. And on top of that, if your relationship with God is not close, prayer is not that interesting. <laughs> it's just not. So there's a lot going on there. And the beauty of prayer is that God invites you into it for the purpose of developing your relationship with him, deepening your relationship with him. It's a bit like uh, my relationship with my wife, Becky. You know, if I, you know, the old joke is, uh, well, I told her on the day we married that I love her. And if that changes, I'll let her know. Right. That, that wouldn't work. Like if I, if I didn't speak to her and communicate with her and talk with her and spend time with her, our relationship would grow cold, wouldn't it? It really would. Uh, you see this in business. How many business partnerships have dissolved because the partners stopped communicating with each other? How often, you know, work colleagues lose productivity and, and, and efficiency because they're not don't have good communication across and, you know, it, it costs the company money because there's duplication and overruns and just problems. Communication is essential and prayer is communication with God. In today's message, and we're going to do this a little differently than we normally do. Typically, we'll grab one passage of scripture, we'll dig in, we'll just camp out there and do that. Today, we're going to do this a little differently. We're going to jump all around the New Testament uh, because um, I want to briefly touch on seven reasons why prayer is worth it, why prayer is worthwhile. So if you've got your pen and notebook and, and your Bible ready, we're going to jump in and we're going to start at Hebrews chapter 4. Now, how often have you been in a 
in a circle. Maybe it's a maybe it's a, a you know a group dinner. It's dinner time, and someone says, "Oh, hey, who who wants to pray?" Or you're in a committee meeting or committee group, and someone says, "Well, let's open. Who'd like to open us in a word of prayer?" And it's just crickets, <laughs> right? I mean, I think we've pretty much all been there. People kind of act like, "Oh, prayers." I don't want to pray like prayer is a punishment or something like or as kids sometimes do that that table game, you know, that you sit down, you go nose goes and then everybody touches their nose and the last person touched the nose has to pray. What on earth? Instead of saying the last person gets to pray, right? I mean, why doesn't in that community meeting every person around the table say, well, I'll pray. I'd love to. I'd be happy to. And and maybe it's this, maybe we have forgotten that prayer is a privilege. Prayer is a privilege. We get to approach God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and bring our concerns to Him. It's a privilege to be able to do that. So let's read uh, Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. That's just one of the greatest passages, I think, in the New Testament. There's so much that's good, but it goes like this, Hebrews 4, 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Wow. You know, if you wanted to speak to the governor of California, not sure why you would, but let's say you wanted to speak to the governor of California in person, you couldn't, right? You would have to be so well connected or, or you'd have to be a, you know, a lobbyist with tons of money and then you'd still have to wait and get an appointment and it would be very difficult to do. But I don't know if you know this, Governor Newsom has four children. How difficult it is for his kids to approach the governor, right? They don't need an appointment. They don't need a background check. They don't need a security detail. They just say, hey, dad, right? They have no idea what a privilege that is compared to the rest of us. They have open access. You know, or maybe you have a boss that you report to regularly And you just don't want to. Like you're thinking about Monday morning and you think, oh, I hate the Monday morning meeting with my boss. I just, oh, it's such a drag. Um, There's a couple of my office team that are snickering right now. (laughs) Then we'll have a little talk later. But, um, right? Maybe your boss just intimidates you and you just would rather not do this. You just, it's not a, it's not that it's not a privilege. It's just a duty and you just hate it. Well, listen, what about approaching God in prayer? Is it? Do you recognize that it's not like a difficult thing to get an appointment with him? It's a privilege. It's open access. And do you view it as a chore or, you know, as a duty? Oh, I got to talk to God. Or do you recognize it as the privilege that it is when you're when you're doing good? Right. Or when you're at your worst in your moment of need, when you need mercy, when you need grace, that's when you have full access to God. That's amazing look at one more time verse 16 i'll put one on screen let us then approach god's throne of grace with confidence or another translation translation puts it this way let us boldly approach the throne of grace and there find 
mercy and we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, right? When do you need mercy? When do you need grace? When you're a mess, when you're in trouble, when you've blown it, when you've messed up, when you don't know what to do, when you're confused, when things are going sideways. This isn't about, hey, when you get your act together, then you can pray. It's quite the opposite. When you are at your worst, when you're broke down in tears, when you're crying, when you're at, you don't know where to go, God says, that's the time I want you. I like you when you're a mess because that's the place we're humble and in our place of need. So we have cannot see prayer as a duty or an obligation or a difficulty. It's a privilege that we can approach like the governor's kids can at any time say, hey, dad, that's the kind of privilege we have in prayer. So prayer is a privilege. Prayer is also personal. You see where I'm going with these seven? Privilege, personal. You'll figure it out pretty soon. Let's go to James chapter uh, 5. We're just going to keep going. You're just going to go to the next book in the New Testament in your Bible. And uh, James chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. You never feel bad about uh, using the, the table of contents in your Bible. But I'm going to read to you beginning at James 5.13. He says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being. Okay, so now he's going to explain what does he mean by a righteous person. So he's referring back now to a a prophet from the Old Testament, a guy named Elijah. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, uh, well, we'll stop there. Verse 18. Right? So what does it say about when to pray? It says if you're in trouble, you can pray. If you're happy, if you're unwell, it's all covers all the bases. It's always a good time to pray. And it's personal. And the point is that your needs matter to God. Your needs. Your own needs matter to Him. Right? Prayer is not vague and ambiguous. And boy, I hope I can say something that connects with the Almighty and Right. This is why you need to be specific in your prayer requests. And I always talk to you about this. Be specific in your prayer. When you pray, right, why just say, oh, Lord, just be with us and help us. It's pretty vague, isn't it? It's not really asking for anything. When you could say, Lord, please give me wisdom about this decision I have to make today. Or, you know, Lord, please give me understanding in this difficult conversation I have to have with my you know, my, my, my daughter today, so that I can honor you in that. Like, be specific in your prayers. Why? Because it's personal. It's about what you need from the Lord. So prayer is a privilege and it's personal and prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Alright? Continuing back into, to James, um, chapter five, uh, same, same just where we were, right? He says, um, about prayer, he says, verse 15, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful 
and effective. I think I've shared uh, this story with you before about, and it wasn't at this church, previous church, a woman in our small group who had been diagnosed with a brain tumor and she was, she was miraculously healed. Uh, she was obviously devastated when she got the news and, uh, you know, she showed us the, the scan and it was very clear there was something there that shouldn't have, didn't belong in her brain and, and, um, so we gathered, we, I anointed her with oil and we laid hands on her and, and actually in that time, that group, I had the newest Christian in the circle pray for her because I didn't want her to think, oh, it's because, you know, the pastor prayed for her or something. And, uh, a month later she came back with a follow-up MRI that was clear. I mean, we looked at the two scans side by side. It was amazing. She was miraculously healed. But when she was showing me the test results, she, she was kind of confused. She said, yeah, it was the oil. The oil healed me. I'm like, hang on, hang on. <laughs> time out. Time out. Right? Or she might have just as well said, well, it was Jeff. Jeff prayed for me and Jeff healed me. The reality, it was the prayer offered in faith that healed her. The Lord is the one doing the healing. And that's why it's not the oil. It's not the particular person praying. It's the Lord that does the work when we pray in faith. Now, we'll, we'll address in a moment about the difficulty sometimes when we pray and we don't get answers. But, but some of you have said, well, I can't pray for those sorts of things. I'm not qualified. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a good enough Christian or whatever that means, right? But what would qualify you? According to this passage, there's two things. There's faith and there's righteousness, right? The prayer offered in faith is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So prayer is, is faith and it's righteousness. Well, you bring the faith, right? God can stir that up in you. And where does righteousness come from? Uh, well, it comes from Jesus. When you confess your sins to him and you trust him for a clean conscience uh, and you're made new, you are righteous in God's sight. That qualifies you to pray. And then he t- talks about how Elijah was no different than you are. Every believer is qualified. And sometimes this passage gets turned backwards, um, you know, when it talks about sin and so on and forgiveness. Uh, and that sometimes someone's been told, well, you know, um, hey, the person being prayed for needs to be, you know, more or less sinless. Like they, you can't have any sin if God's going to, he- you know, for God to heal you. But it expressly says that in the process of healing, God forgives their sin. And I, I would just say, never cast that on people. I mean, I, I've, I've had people share with me uh, they were told they weren't being healed because there must be sin in their life. Don't ever do that to somebody. Do not do that to somebody. That is, that is un... Now, if there's like an ongoing, unrepentant, you know, hard heart toward God, deliberate, intentional sin, that's not what I'm talking about. By the time someone's coming and asks for prayer, there's a humility that says, I, I, I need healing, I need prayer. And don't put that on somebody that, you know, it's their fault if that healing is not forthcoming somehow. Um, because it's actually the opposite. I think it's the one praying that's meant to confess their sins and bring, as we bring that person to the Lord. Jesus said, um, your prayer can move mountains. Talked about that in, in the, in the God we read about in the Gospels, like Mark 11 and elsewhere. That, you know, that prayer is powerful and, and when the answer is not forthcoming right away, it can be confusing for us and discouraging and disappointing. I've prayed for many people that were not healed the way I wanted to see that healing happen or that 
the situation was not resolved the way I expected it to be resolved. And that's hard. And I don't have the answers for that. We know that there's obviously a bigger picture that we can't see. We know that the Lord has a bigger design. We know that the enemy, Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that the devil is at work in this world. But here's the thing. If you never ask, you'll never receive. If you, you, like you miss 100% of the prayers you don't make. Right? So prayer is powerful. Prayer is also practical. Prayer is practical. Still in that passage, James 5, um, you know, he's, I, I would say like prayer is like a Swiss army knife for a Leatherman. How many, how many of you guys carry a, you know, Leatherman's? I, I've never owned a Leatherman, but you said that tool that, you know, like you can do so many different things with it. Uh, and you have it with you all the time. You can do all these different things with it. You can use it in any situation, anyone, anytime, anywhere you can pray. It's that very practical nature of prayer. It's so useful in every situation. James uh, references the prophet Elijah, as we talked about, right? Look again at verse 17, saying, Elijah was a human, or Elijah was a man, even as we are. The invitation for you and, and for me is, is to pray as ordinary people, and even this super prophet, we kind of consider from the Old Testament, is like this amazing guy. God's just saying, he's a pretty ordinary guy. And Elijah accomplished amazing things, but it's it's that God did amazing things through Elijah, right? It's not because Elijah was amazing, it's because God's amazing. And God can and does work through ordinary, humble, submitted, willing, practical people. When you're willing for God to do great things, He will. Um, and that's extremely practical. Man, I, I wish I had the time to share it. Oh, we'll save it for another time. Uh, so when someone shares a problem with you or a fear or an issue or a worry or a challenge or a difficulty of some kind, whatever it is, right? If your faith is in Jesus, you can be very practical and simply say, simply ask this question. Would you like me to pray about that for you? You can do that anywhere, anytime. I've done that lots of times with folks. They just say, oh, this is going da 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 Would you like me to pray about that for you? Honestly, occasionally someone says, no, I'm good. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. Like, we're not pushing anything on people, right? But no one's ever been offended that I offered to pray for them. No one's ever been offended by that. And if they say yes... Then you say, well, could I pray for you right now? Now, that takes a little more courage to do. But again, that's usually been well received. And I do that because my brain is much like a colander. And you put water in it, it just goes right through. Like, I can't retain stuff, right? So it's just best if I pray right there when we're talking about it. Um, would you like me to pray about that for you? This is a good, this is a good question to have in your, in your, like this is in your repertoire. Would you like me to pray about that for you? Uh, yeah, sure. That'd be great. Could I pray right now? Oh, um, yeah, I guess so. And if that happens, then it's brief and to the point. You don't drag it out and make it like this is not the time to, 
you know, pull up the prayer benches, then it's just like, all right, um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for John here today, and he's asking for uh, help finding a job. And God, I pray that you lead him to the right people that can uh, get him working in a field that he enjoys and provides well for his family. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. You make it short, to the point, direct, specific, but you respond right there. It's so practical. And you know what? I've never had somebody get mad at me for that, but you know what I've often seen? It's a little tear. Because someone actually stopped to show some care. Someone actually took their concerns and their life and brought it to our Heavenly Father. That means a lot. It means a lot. So you can do that anytime for anyone. It's very, very practical. All right, we got a few more to get through here. That, um, we're going to move to Matthew chapter 6, first book in the New Testament, the Gospels. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, let's go there right now, in beginning at verse 5. And we're saying here that prayer is private. Prayer is private. One more. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 5. When you pray, Jesus speaking, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Amazing. Prayer is private. Now, some of you are going to grab hold of this one and just you're like excited. You're like, see, I never have to pray out loud. I don't have to pray at that committee meeting because you're only supposed to pray in the private room. Well, we're going to come back to that in a moment. right? The point here is that prayer is not to be done for show, like the hypocrites of Jesus' day. Right? They pray these long, elaborate, you know, repetitive prayers to show just how spiritual they were and how devoted they were. That, that, you know, the point here is that yes, prayer is for the private space. In, in the word could mean like storage room or inner room. Um, it doesn't mean to say you have to be alone in that private space. I mean, it doesn't mean there's just one of you, although he is speaking individually in there as well. The point is that prayer is not for show. And, you know, Jesus does expect that you will pray. When you pray. Not if you pray, but when you pray. Like, don't make a show of it. Don't, don't show off, you know, big Christian words and, you know, that's, this is dumb, right? There is a reward for prayer, Jesus says. And the hypocrite gets his reward from people. But the person who prays in private is rewarded by God. Now, I don't know about you. I would way rather receive a reward from God than from people. The rewards from people are very fleeting. But God's rewards are eternal. So prayer in that sense is private. But there's another side to prayer. And this is that prayer is public. Prayer is public. Now, there's a little asterisk beside that word public. It's not, it's not really the right word, but I ran out of P words. And I was not going to give up on the alliteration. So um, a better word for this could be corporate or, you know, praying together with others or group praying. Um, so just suffer with me on that. Uh, let me read verses 9 and following. He goes on. He says, this then is how you should pray. 
how you should pray, not necessarily what you should pray. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For um, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a pretty heavy verse in the Bible, actually. Pretty heavy duty. But the Lord's Prayer, like I say, is not necessarily the exact prayer to pray. It can easily become the meaningless repetition of the hypocrite. But it's a good model of prayer. And I will say this, prayed sincerely, reciting the Lord's Prayer together can be very, very meaningful. We're going to do so at the end of this message. And it teaches us to pray openly and out loud. Because what's the first word of the Lord's Prayer? Our. Not my, but our. That's a group. That's a group prayer. That's praying together out loud. Right? And, and there's definitely a time and a place for corporate or public prayer. Certainly the early church gathered to pray. There's lots of episodes of that. In the book of Acts, Acts 2.42 says they were devoted to prayer. Acts 4.24 says they raised their voices together in prayer. Acts 12.12 records there was a a prayer meeting for the release of Peter from prison. Acts 13 records the church meeting together uh, for prayer as they sent out Paul and Barnabas to missions work. And we could go on through the book. The point is that the New Testament pattern for prayer is both private and it's corporate. Finally, prayer is persistent. Prayer is persistent. You know, I met, um, I, I reconnected with a friend at a memorial service last week. I hadn't seen him in at least 10 years, maybe more. And he said, yeah, I'm retired now. And uh, he said, I've been memorizing scripture. I said, really? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm up to a thousand verses. And um, he says, it's really been good. I'm like, yeah, no doubt it would be good. <laughs> it would be awesome. And he said, uh, he said, um, if you want to memorize, like get started, you can get three right out of the, right out of the, right out of the shoot with 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Let me read this to you. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, that's a verse. Pray continually, that's another one. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If this was the only instruction you had on prayer, it was if the only instruction you had was these three short verses, that would be enough, right? Rejoice always, pray continually, always be thankful, rejoice, pray, thank. That's a that's a winning formula in prayer. And but what is at the center of that is pray continually. That persistence in prayer to keep bringing it to the Lord. Jesus taught the disciples. Also, Luke eighteen talks about this. They should always pray and never give up, even if it feels like you're being a pest to God. Being persistent is not the same as meaningless repetition, right? So when you have a genuine need, when you've got no other options, when things are desperate, you pray repeatedly, right? It's a little bit of like the kid saying, I want a cookie, I want a cookie, I want a cookie. Mom, I just relent, (laughs) right? But when you bring those specific prayer requests to God, just don't be like one and done. Well, I prayed for it once and I'm going to leave it. Be persistent. Continue to bring that to Him. Why? Because as you pray, you're going to get increasingly specific. You're going to find that some of the stuff you're praying for, you're actually glad God didn't answer that. You know, the old um, 
Garth Brooks song, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, right? You're going to get more and more specific and you're going to deepen in your walk with him. Because you realize what you really need is Jesus. You don't need just the answers to prayer. Your dependence is going to grow. Prayer doesn't need to be difficult. It really doesn't. But everything will conspire against you to pray. Every distraction, every random thought, every unfinished chore, you remember at those times, everything will conspire against you, but don't give up because even a little is better than nothing. Continue in it. Be persistent in it. And it will help to remind yourself that prayer really is a huge privilege and it's personal and it's powerful and it's practical and it's both private and it's public and of course it's persistent. Um, in a moment, Chrissy's going to share with us just a little city challenge in prayer. But before we, before I hand that over to you, Christy, in the closing song, um, let's recite this beloved words of Jesus together, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Ready? Let's pray this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com. Thank you.